Hey, this is Brandon McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop Season 6. Episode 19, I'm John DiCarlo, Sam Cohn, Sam Newman, and Kyle Gauss all back with me. Kyle, I honestly did not mean to say your name last, but I did it again. But the, the bugged you before. But now it's just like the end, the starring and starring Kyle Gauss, right? Yeah, exactly. You want me to keep yeah. sticking with this, like, or no? I'm not on consistently enough for you to stick with something. <laughs> like, also, you can't go Sam, Kyle, then Sam again. You, it either true. has to be Kyle and Sam and Sam, or Sam and Sam and Kyle. I think Kyle. we're like a like a '60s like band where it's like Kyle and the Sams. <laughs> <laughs> That leaves me so that I'm out. Kyle and the Sams. There's been a coup. Yeah, <laughs> we, we we stormed the Al Scoop Capital, baby. <laughs> Walk me through what a coup of removing me would look like. Would you like? I would I would change the password to your email address and it would take you three <laughs> weeks to get back in. <laughs> like it would just take you so long. It'd be a very minimal effort. You guys see the lack of respect, right? He makes me sound like this 85-year-old man who who doesn't understand. I honestly I honestly got thought about this the other day where I think you are the perfect age for like it's inexcusable how bad at technology you are, but like there's a there's a reason cuz like okay, you didn't grow up with it as much as like I did or the Sams did, but like you're young enough that you should be better, but you're not. <laughs> what am I so just, what am I so bad with? asking things that like you could have just googled and like my that's mentality just, that's was, just laziness that's not bad that's la- i will admit that but, like laziness. for me it's just like well i'll just google that real quick and for you it's let me ask kyle this and wait uh-huh. three minutes for a response <laughs> when i was younger when i was younger i used to ask my brother like this like the same thing like really simple questions that i could google in two seconds and he would get so mad at me and i was like i just like the human interaction i don't want, <laughs> I don't want to get your answer John will be like, oh, blah, 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 had 11 points. But you, yes, you know he has 11 points. You're looking at it that he has 11 points. Like, Maybe yeah, he just that, wants that, to hear from you, Kyle. Just, yeah. Why <laughs> just embrace my cries for help? That's, that's, that's just laziness. Am I, am I a technology whiz? No, but that's, that's just laziness on my part. I was going back and forth with Varun Kumar on Twitter last night. There's that college basketball classics account, which Kyle's pointed out is basically like the Temple game of the day thing it's the temple michigan state game from 1998 and he asked me if i covered that game and i said no and i missed it i was uh, just a six or seven months in my first full-time job working at the daily journal in vineland i was covering a state championship soccer game and it devolved into a conversation where i said i I had to call call the sports desk and say hey file my story and i think temple was trailing at that point and i called my friend sean fallon he said you're gonna be upset you you missed Mm -hmm one of the most, most amazing games I've ever seen. We were watching here in the office and Varun was joking around saying, I guess there was no uh, ESPN app on your Nokia phone. And I said, no, we actually used to at that point, we might even been a year away back then. You, if you were covering games anywhere outside, like our coverage area, Gannett had papers all over New Jersey. You would just find the Gannett paper in your area. You could file from their office or the next step was they equipped us with laptops and you would plug this, those old like Nokia phones You'd, you'd file your story in some way where you plug the phone in that would get you the reception and you would send your story that way. So that's the, 
techno technological era that that I am coming from. It still exists. Like you can still use your phone as a like as a hotspot. Yeah, no, or you can you can tether it too. That's it's still not quite, it's not quite the same. Yeah. So, but the the thing with the Nokia phones was it was so weird. Like in some of the areas that we had to go to, like if I was covering a Millville Lower Cape May regional football game. The reception at the time down there wasn't great. And you would literally like, you would, you would dial through and it would either connect almost like AOL dial up, but you weren't in the house. It'd either connect or you'd have to try again. And some nights on Friday night, as people are exiting a football game, you're trying to send them your first right through and people are like stuffing their face with pretzels and popcorn and leaving. I'm walking around with a laptop trying to like <laughs> hold it up to the sky but like you, you had to, you like, wait, 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 wait. You were holding the laptop up and not the phone, both laptop and the phone. The phone is like tethered in and you're walking around, like looking for a reception and it'll like it connected. You, you'd find like a far corner of the parking lot. It was insane. Like that's what you have to do sometimes, even with later deadlines back then. So then I don't know. Anyway, it's funny. technology. All right. So we've got a lot of good stuff for you this week. Plenty of basketball. We'll, we'll play this interview for you in a second with Jimmy Fennerty temples, uh, one of temples assistant basketball coaches. He's going to talk to you guys about what he's seen through the first six games, a uh, couple of scheduling developments to talk about. Of course, uh, temple was scheduled to play Cincinnati this week. That game was postponed due to COVID issues on Cincinnati's end. So Temple instead will play against eighth-ranked Houston this Saturday at the Leah Core Center. That game is going to be nationally televised on CBS. And then the game that was slated for next week uh, against USF, that game has also been postponed due to some COVID issues on there. And so um, this piece of things never ends. Um, but Temple is starting to show signs of progress now at three and three, not quite where they want to be. Uh, but we'll talk some hoops in a second here with Jimmy, answer your mailbag questions, talk about some of the football roster updates as well. Right. As we've said on this podcast before, we try to bring you guys as our listeners as much inside access to Temple's football programs and basketball programs as we can and as often as we can. And we're able to do that again this week because kind enough to join us on the scoop this week. Temple assistant coach Jimmy Fennerty, uh, a friend becoming a friend of the podcast, uh, always provides some great insight. Uh, Jimmy, how you doing, man? Happy New Year! Yeah, Happy New Year, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, excited uh, about about Temple basketball right now. So I, I'm, I appreciate you having me on. Happy to to share some insight into the program. Uh, happy New Year to you guys as well. Hey, some happy stuff to share. Obviously, it's a happy day today, New Year. Um, you guys are on a two-game winning streak. You're, you're playing on national TV Saturday. I wanted to ask you quickly. I don't think we've talked in the podcast since you got engaged and you have a new dog now. How's how's life in general? <laughs> yeah, life is good. Life is good. I, I, uh, it's it's different than pre-COVID, as I'm sure it is with everybody. But I'm very lucky. Um, found an incredible woman to uh, to to say yes to me, and uh, we've we've been doing great, and everything has been been awesome so i've been excited i've never been more nervous than i ever was in my entire life but uh i think i might i don't even i'm to this day i'm still not sure what i said and i'm just lucky i didn't drop the ring but it was uh it was the the highlight of my life so it was a great time that's good stuff jimmy um like we say you guys are on a two-game win streak you've got houston coming up on saturday uh before we get to that you know we asked chris this you guys like so many other teams in the country have had the stops and starts um not necessarily a pause on your end now, but a pause with um, other games getting canceled and you guys pivoting. Uh, is this just one of those things that you guys will never quite get used to, or are you starting to get used to it as the season goes on and just kind of being, you know, learning to expect the unexpected with the schedule and COVID cancellations with other programs or, or yours? Sure. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> I guess you're, you're starting to become accustomed to it. 
I, I don't think anything you, you can't be surprised by anything that's going on right now because it's it's, it's it's just the world we live in. Everything changes every five seconds um, from testing to protocols to games to practices. It's you're just kind of in the beginning. I was nervous every every time we tested. I'm like, oh, no, oh no. Like what's going to happen? But now I think you're like, all right, hey, all right, this is what we got to do. Now we got to figure it out. And I think you've seen the the, the programs that are resilient and, and are very flexible and kind of just, all right, Hey, all right, next plan. Like this is what we're going to do and turn to have a, a preparation for it. If, have done really well with it. So you got to credit our administration and uh, for being able to switch a game uh, literally the day before um, and, and doing all those things is, has been helpful. Um, and obviously the, the donors and the support that we have to, to provide the finances to be able to do that is huge. Uh, and not every university has that. Uh, you talk to some of your friends, I think we're in a really good situation with that. Um, and just trying to work through all that. But, yeah, you can't be surprised by anything now. Uh, it's, it's, it is it's what it is. You know, you get some news. All right, next play. Here we go. And we tell it to our guys, and now we got to live it. So, now Obviously, with Houston coming in, it's a shame, again, in a, in a normal season, you'd have the eighth-ranked team coming into town. There would be a bit of a buzz about the game. Can't have fans there this time around. But uh, I know that not a ton has changed since you guys played them. Uh, lost by 26 uh, at their place back on December 22nd. Um, they're still one of the best teams in the country. They, they've won you know, the last three games in this series. We know how good they are. They do a lot of what you guys want to do is to be long, be athletic, out-rebound you, get to a lot of those loose balls. And we know about Quentin Grimes and, and Gorham and Dejan Giroux and those guys. Uh, but you have won two in a row. What's different facing them this time? Is there anything different? Is there even just that slightest bit of momentum uh, that comes from getting a couple of wins that's maybe different this time around and playing them on Saturday? Yeah, I think it, we were actually watching some of the game today as a staff uh, before before we uh, we hopped on here. And I think you, when you watch it, you realize how far we've come. Uh, I know it's it's only been six games, but six games versus two games for uh, our freshmen and really just our new guys. I think at that point, Brandon Barry had been on the team for five days, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's very different uh, now because we, we have had six games and, and now we have a chance to sort of grow through some things and, and find out more about your roster and, and who works well together, who can play, who, who maybe isn't going to play as much and, and how you sort of balance that out. So I, I feel good about that. I, I know we've we, we've definitely had a lot more practice than we did leading up to the Houston game, uh, and I think for us, uh, the the first Houston game, I think for us the the ability to do that and to go over our ball screen coverages and really work through that. You, you think about it when you have a ton of freshmen out there, the coverages, the calls, all that stuff is so different for those guys. And, and when you've had six shutdowns or whatever it is, and not to make excuses, but it, it's a lot for them to learn and take in at one time. So if we if we had had a little bit more time, I think we go out there and we show a little better. But hey, this is this is the world we live in now. So uh, we're excited about having the chance to play six games. We're excited about the, the opportunity to play Houston here, especially on national TV. And I think what you're going to see is how far our guys have grown over the last couple months um, and being able to and with with that two game uh, momentum that, that you talked about. It also, guys, a little bit more confidence. Uh, I think we went in there and, and we played a little tentative. Uh, especially early on in that game. And I think that's that's when Houston sort of said, like, all right, hey, we're going to take it to you. And, and then they start to get their, their way and the guys feel comfortable. And then they start making shots that they haven't really hit. So for us, it's going to be about setting the tone early uh, and, and really taking the fight to them and not sort of – we build up Houston, I think, in our own minds because that's that's the standard of 
of the American Conference right now. They're the best team in our conference for the last four or five years. But also, hey, like we can beat them. Like let's go. Like we're not we're not holding the door for anybody. We're gonna go right in with them. And let's go get them. You know, and I think that's that's the mentality that we've been able to build the last couple of weeks, uh, where I, I don't think we necessarily had that going in. So. Jimmy, you just mentioned them, but uh, obviously you paid a, a, a big role or played a big role in Brendan Berry's recruitment, the reason he's at Temple. How has he kind of been in the locker room and how has his ability to obviously hit uh, three-pointers at the level that he's doing, how has that opened up the offense, the spacing on the floor? Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you can add a guy who uh, who was second or third in the nation three-point field goal percentage, it's going to create open openings for other guys. And I think Early on, what you saw happen is is guys kind of keyed in on Dunny or Jake or those guys, and and then B wound up getting some shots. And now that he's shown the ability that he can really make shots at this level, which we knew, but the other team in our conference, they, they try to let you feel out first. Now what you're seeing is guys are staying home with him, and I think that's opening up more lanes for Dunny, for Jeremiah, for Jake to score a little bit more in the post because you can't leave him. Um, I think he's – He's one of the best shooters in the country. And so you can't, if he gets an open look, you, you got to feel pretty good about where that's going to go. So I think for them now, what you'll see, and you saw a lot in the two lane game and the UCF game, UCF, I thought there were a couple of times where guys ran at him, two guys, high hands running at him. Now he gets in there, bang, he finds Jeremiah, he drops off to Jake. And I think that's what you're going to start being able to see more. Um, but yeah, great kid, um, done really well. It just, it, he's, he's got a really good way about him in terms of, He's, he's always right here. He's always in the middle. He's always pretty level-headed and never too high, never too low, which Coach McKee talks about a lot. And, and really, I, I thought for him, he earned respect with those guys immediately. His, his first practice, he came in, and I think we played like a little scrimmage there, and, and he led us in scoring in that scrimmage. And at that point, the guys were like, oh, okay, all right, you can play. All right, come on, come on. You're welcome to the team. You know what I mean? Before, that, they're trying to feel you out. All right, what's he like? What, what can he do? And I think that – that gave him some confidence. That gave our guys some trust in him. And now what you'll start to see is these guys get you more used to playing together. That You'll see more growth from them as well. So, Jimmy, it's pretty clear uh, Dane Dunn's carved out an important role in the offense as the team's leading scorer. Um, but his ability to impact the game on defense may be somewhat overlooked. What have you seen from him at that end of the floor so far through six games? Yeah, you know, I, I thought – I actually thought last year – um, before when, when we went to the Bahamas and obviously he started every game in the Bahamas, he did a really good job of just being in the right place defensively. So we sort of knew that he was going to do that. Now how he was going to handle that when we're asking him to score 15 or 16 points a game is a different task, but he, he he's very physical. Um, we, we were watching earlier today, just, just some of the box outs that he's had and we're going to need him to have. And, and I think you saw in Tulane a little bit, we played him at the four, just, we went small. We played Jay will Barry, uh, KB, Dunny, and either Jake or JP or Dre, one of those guys. And he, he's, he's physical enough to, to bring that mentality to us. And I think you need that. Uh, just you can't let guys be comfortable if he's going to drop down on a box out. He can move a, a, a five man and get him off the block and, and sort of take him out of the play so that we can come up with the rebound. That's important. And, and that's a testament to him. That's a testament to Chris Clark, who's done a tremendous job working with him. And, and also a testament to our strengths there. Uh, so Brady Welsh did a fantastic job of, of him taking advantage of his year off and we put on good weight, cleaned up his body and, and uh, got him really strong. And, and that was, that's something that you're seeing now, I think on the defensive end. Now, that being said, uh, Sam, you're giving him all these compliments. He better make sure he locks, locks up these Houston guys. Otherwise I'm going to look like an idiot here. So um, but, but that, that is, that is how it goes. I got you. one more question on him. Um, he's proven he can draw contact in the lane. He can get to the rim. He can get to the rim and finish. He can finish around the rim with, 
relative ease, I guess. He's, he's pretty consistent around the rim. He's able to find his shots. Um, he's looked more comfortable taking the deep ball in the last couple of games. We're, and even like he's shown glimpses of being able to drive and make passes from the interior. Looking at his offensive game, because a casual fan may say like he's their go-to guy offensively. For him, and you're, you spend every day with him, what's the next step in his development offensively? Making quicker decisions. Uh, I think he's going to be important for him. Um, he likes to catch and sort of massage the ball and, and, and kind of go from there. Uh, but when he makes quick decisions, he's really, really hard to guard. Um, I think that's that's going to be the biggest thing for him. Because like you said, he's a he's a really, really gifted offensive player um, and, and sort of scores in all sorts of different ways. I think he's like first or second in the country and free throw makes a game. And, and that's really hard to do. And and he draws contact. He, he can, I think he, he can shoot it even better than he's shown so far. Uh, but I think some of that comes from making quicker decisions. Hey, Jimmy. So Jeremiah Williams is kind of, you know, ascended to that uh, starting point guard role for you guys. And, you know, really without a traditional off season where he can come in and, and get groomed, are you guys impressed with the way that he's been able to handle himself on, on both ends of the floor? I mean, granted, you know, six games in the season, still a lot to his development, but, but is he impressed with the way that he, I mean, looks like a veteran out there? Absolutely. And nothing phases him. Uh, like, we, like I said, we, we talked about earlier about going into Houston, his second college game. He wasn't scared of those guys. Uh, and I think that's, that, that's hard. You can't teach that. That's sort of a, a, a innate uh, ability there. Um, I thought I was impressed with him. He has. Yeah, he has. And I think the, the crazier part is he didn't play point guard for his high school team last year. Uh, and hasn't really played point guard a, a ton in his life. He played more when he was at uh, playing with Mean Streets and AU there. But it, most of his life, like at Simeon, he, he was playing like the four because they needed him to play that. Now, therefore, was on the perimeter the whole time. And he had on his hands in the ball screens. But it, it's a little different. I think it goes back to our staff with Coach Ross and Coach uh, Clark and, and obviously Coach McKee just sort of mentoring him. They, they watched a lot of film with him, uh, do a good job, of just sort of get him to see the next level of the defense, something Coach Macon talks about a lot. Um, but I, I, I've been really impressed with him uh, and just a tremendous kid. I, I think what you're going to find in talking to the, our guys, we have great young men. And the, the one thing about Jeremiah is he, he really takes coaching and he wants coaching and not a lot of guys that want that. And for him, that's why the jump from, I'm really excited to see the jump from him game two against Houston to him game six against Houston to see how he, how much he's developed. Uh, and, and really for, from, from game one to game, Hopefully it winds up being game 25. Uh, you see how much he develops in that as well. Jimmy, Jake Forrester's play has kind of been a little uneven through the first six games, but he gives you against Tulane, one of, maybe his best game, one of his best games in a Temple uniform, 17 points, 10 boards. How do you get him to remain consistent? Is it just as simple as like feeding him the ball? Like how do you get him going? You see the flashes of potential. You see some steps forward some steps to the side, back and forth. How do you get him to a level where he's kind of giving you some semblance of that almost every night? Yeah, I think uh, with Jake, uh, Coach uh, and Coach Ivy has, has spent a lot of time talking to him as well as I and Coach McKee and all these guys. And I think with him is every day before every game in the last three, four weeks, we, we say, Jake, rebound, run the floor, and just play as hard as you can for as long as you can. And I think when he does that, the scoring comes. And the, the passing comes. And I think for him, it, when he really focuses on that stuff, it simplifies the game for him. And now he can – everything is simple for him. Because Jake, he, he sees the game uh, pretty quickly, but he also sees a lot. And for him, it's just sort of just 
focusing in on those things and, and really making a difference there. Uh, like I thought he, he's really tried to, he really did a good job uh, making a difference in the SMU game the first time, which I thought was a little underrated. He did a good job on the offensive class against, against UCF. He gave us extra possessions. He's just throwing his body around in there and he's doing a good job with offensive box outs and that sort of thing. And then Tulane, obviously he broke out. And now the challenge for him is, and again, this is where we were playing tentative as a team against Houston the first time. Jake, my challenge to him is, hey, Jake, like, what do we got here? Let, let's go. Like, you want to take the fight? Let's take the fight to Houston. Let, let's do it. And he's capable of it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind he could be an all-league player in our league. And I think he's going to get there. He's just got to do it every single day. And that's been our message to him. And, and to his credit, he's, he's matured a ton since he's got here. Um, and just, just another great young man as well. Quick follow-up with, with Jake. How, you know, you guys don't have a ton of – Front court depth. Rashma hasn't been playing much. Nick is is super young. How does he bounce that out while also staying out of foul trouble? Because that's been an issue issue for him too. It's kept him off the floor. Yeah, and, and that that comes with for him. He has a tendency to use his hands a lot, and and sort of teaching him. All right, when you're boxing out, you're going to go all lower body. Keep your hands up in a square just so that if anything comes off, now you can go get it. But you're also not picking up fouls. And, and defensively, just keeping guys in front and, and being good at angles and, and working through all that, it, it takes time. Um, I, I think – and we talk about it all the time. Like, Jake, he didn't play his first year. Um, so, so last year was really his freshman year out there from an experience point. And I think what you're seeing is him develop slowly by slowly. And, and he's, he's done a good job. And I think if we can keep him out of foul trouble, I think he's going to have a, have a really good year for us. Jimmy, with Caleb, uh, obviously makes his debut against Tulane, doesn't score from the field, but manages to kind of get more comfortable as the game progresses. What dimension does he kind of add to this team? And how do you see his role expanding as the year goes? Yeah, and this was, to be honest, I thought it might not have shown up in the stat sheet, but KB made a huge difference on the game. Uh, one, because he had six rebounds, tremendous. Uh, but, but two, he can, he's a really big scoring threat. And you didn't see it. I think he was getting a feel for it. He hasn't practiced a whole lot because of, because of the hamstring. And I think he's going on like maybe four or five. That might've been his fourth day of, of playing live like that. Um, so for him, it's getting his feet wet, but he's, he's a terrific scoring threat. He's really quick. He's an electric athlete, uh, really explosive. Uh, can come off and hunt shots, really good playing out of a closeout. Uh, he's probably as talented as a guy as, as Temple's had since I was here as a grad assistant. So, um, he's going to bring that scoring threat. And I think it's just, just a matter of time before he gets his feet on there. So, Jimmy, Quincy Adam McCoy, uh, early in the season, really was playing just a handful of minutes, um, seeing the floor here and there. Nothing. I don't think he surpassed four minutes of the first like four games of the season. And a lot of the narrative around him hearing from Coach McKee or hearing from Chris Clark was that like he was coming around to the physicality of the game and he was really making that jump from high school to college. And every college basketball player goes through making that adjustment. We're, and then he plays 20 plus minutes against Tulane. Where do you see him now compared to where he was maybe at the start of the season or maybe even, even over the summer when he first joined the program? Yeah, Q has a terrific attitude. Uh, and he, he wants to get better and he wants to help the team. And that's been the biggest thing for him. Some guys, after they don't play their first couple of games, they sort of just mope and, and get upset. And no, nah, Q, he got in there and probably worked even harder. Uh, and, he, and he did it not just on his offensive game. He really worked hard on the defensive end. Um, I think for him, it's becoming more confident. It's adjusting to the speed of the game. And keep working uh, and, and keep being a, a factor on the defensive end, trying to find the right reads, find the right rotations, and doing all those things. I think that's been good for him. Um, for 
I think for him, the, the biggest part is really, I mean, just keep growing, keep getting better, getting more comfortable playing with our guys, getting more comfortable with the speed of the game. I, I think that's that's a big piece for, for him. Um, and I'm excited to see what he does over the next couple of weeks and months. And then thinking about the front court a little bit, Dre Perry hasn't exactly shot the ball nearly probably as well as he might have hoped for at this point in the season. But Chris Clark told us he's shooting with consistency in practice. Is him finding a groove more so just him getting more opportunities, getting those game reps and the shots will start to fall? Or is it more so the kind of thing of like the looks he's getting and the way the offense is finding him along the perimeter? Yeah, he's going to make shots. Uh, I've, uh, Dre's made enough shots in practice. He made enough shots last year that it, I, I'm not worried about it. I think it's for him just slowing the game down a little bit, and we're going to find him uh, some more shots. There's He's taken a lot of shots that looked like they were going to go in, um, and, and I feel pretty confident about him making shots, and, and we're going to need him to. I think you saw him make some shots and really – helped us go on a run against UCF in the second half. And I thought he made shots early against Tulane. And we need him to do that because uh, we're, we're going to need another guy to create space for Dunn and Jeremiah and KB. And I think Dre and JP and Brendan, those guys can can make that space if they're making shots. So we need those guys to make shots. And um, I, I think he will. Um, I, I know he will. I know he will because he, he works really hard at it. And he's been, he's been getting better and better. I think for him also is just managing his body. Um, just getting him in a position where he's he's always healthy and, and, and not too sore. And, and we, we're riding him a lot. We're asking him to do a lot. But uh, managing his his legs, and, and sometimes that can be a factor as well. When, when you're chasing guys around defensively and then you, you're asking you to bang down low, I think he's averaging like seven rebounds or whatever it is, you're asking him to do a lot. And it, it, that can be taxing. Uh, but I think he's getting used to it. And um, obviously with KB coming back, it adds another guy to, to sort of help with that as well. Hey, Jimmy, kind of staying on that, you know, theme of the front court, guys like Nick Jordan and Arashma Parks haven't really seen the court as much as they probably would have liked. What have you seen from a guy like Nick's development that, that you like so far? I mean, he, he showed flashes. And, and what does Arashma really need to do to improve upon to, to get on the court more? Yeah, well, Nick, first off, he, he's got such great instincts out there on the floor. Um, and I think he can use his length to get by guys. we got to keep working on those outside shots. Uh, and, and also it, for him, it, it's going to be about attacking the offensive glass and getting used to the physicality of it. Uh, I think that's that's a big piece is, is the putting more weight on him. And that's that's and you you guys had asked about Quincy earlier. Every freshman in college basketball in a normal year gets three months, four months of of weightlifting and, and eating the meals that our guys eat. I think next game twenty pounds since he's been here already. Um, so you imagine w- what his body looks like and and how he is leading up. If you if you think about the time that he missed, if he gets that, um, but yeah, I think I think he'll get there. Um, and and then Rosh Rosh brings such a great uh, physical ability in terms of he's just going to throw his body around. He's getting better scoring around the rim. He's just got to be he's got to be an energy guy. Um, he's got to be a guy who's just going to go out there and just play as hard as he can for as long as he can, whether that's 30 seconds or 30 minutes. He's just got to play hard and be physical, and, and he'll do that. He'll do that. I, I have faith in him in doing that. And kind of with that, you know, the, sh- the shaping of the front court has, has kind of let JP play that um, that five role. It seems he's kind of found a role that suits him well, not only, you know, as a facilitator, but s- someone who can man that five when you guys have a small ball lineup on the court. Um, what does that do for your offense when, when JP's the facilitator out there at the five? And do you believe the small ball lineup can be sustainable for you guys in the long run? 
I do. I think JP at the five, if your five man has to guard JP, it gives JP an advantage because now he can shot pick and get by because you got to respect his three shooting pretty well in the year. And, and now he can get in the paint and he usually makes pretty good decisions when he's in there. And I think that's that gives us another guy that can sort of draw space. And I thought there was a play in the SMU game where he drove on your and I, he pump faked and an eye went flying and, and, and just, he just made a nice layup right there. I think those are plays. Most of, Master, most of his points have come when he was at the five. Uh, and I think it gives us a great advantage. Now that's where, and I talked about this earlier, where, where Dunny's got a box out and rebound. Brendan's got a box out and rebound. Jay Will's got to get in there and rebound. And I think if you do that, and K Will, K, uh, KB does that as well, I think if those guys do that, now you can play that lineup for long stretches. Uh, and I think Houston's probably not the best game for it, but I think that it, as we move forward against Tulane, against Tulsa, against um, – who am I missing here? Against, against SMU, I thought we did it a decent amount. I think you can do that, and, and then I think we can be successful at that. And that's probably our, our, probably our most talented lineup in, in doing that. So, Tim, I wanted to ask you about Jaleel White and Sage Tolbert. I know neither guy can play right now. We don't know, obviously, if they'll play this year. Uh, Jaleel's dealing with the second meniscus tear, did it, you know, heading into senior season at Wildwood Catholic – uh, Sage, I know you guys are excited about. Um, it sounds, in talking to Chris, that you guys were really excited about what Jaleel was doing. I think Chris said that he was maybe even pushing to start before he got hurt. Can you talk about what you saw from him, where he is in his recovery, and then tell us about you know what you've seen from Sage and if he's been able to practice at all, even just on a, a limited basis? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ja has – so Ja is, is 6'8". He's got hands like Kawhi Leonard. He can play one through four um, and maybe even a small ball five, although I don't see him playing that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he's physical. He gets downhill. He's got a knack for finding the ball rebounding-wise. Um, and I think for him is, is developing his jump shot, uh, which he's getting better at. Uh, he's shooting a ton every day, just kind of spot shots and, and sort of things like that. He's not jumping at all yet, but um, I think he, he just gives you such a versatile piece it really, I mean, you could really put him anywhere. And he just, he, he's going to clog up a lot of lanes defensively. He's a guy who, when we're playing SMU, we can put him on Kendrick Davis. And now you don't have to blast. Now you can just say, all right, Jai, you're going to chase him over everything. And now I, I promise you, he's really going to struggle with that. Uh, I think that's that's something that, that is going to be to our advantage here moving forward. And then Sage, and, and this goes to for Jai as well, they, they both bring to us a toughness. Uh, Sage is, first off, he, he's really, really strong, uh, for lack of a better word. Somewhere my English professors are, are mad at me for saying really, really, as opposed to some other uh, more influential word there. But uh, uh, really, really works. It's good. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. So, so. Um, but, but I think he, he brings such a physical presence. He can rebound, really rebounds it. Um, and he's just started to play some five-on-five five in the half court in practice. Uh, yesterday, two days ago, actually, he went up and grabbed the rebound in traffic that we haven't grabbed all year. Um, and I think he, he's going to be able to do that. He's, he's making shots from, from the perimeter, which we, we did not see as much in his SEMO days. But when he got here, we're like, oh, wow, okay, all right, he can shoot. Um, and that, that helps because we're, we're going to need somebody to, to stretch the floor at that position. Uh, and then also for him it, defensively, he's just he's a really good athlete um, and does a good job. He can switch with them. And I think if you wind up there and, and you got Jai and Sage out there on the same time with – three other guys, I think you're a really good defensive team. And I think you're really rebounding the ball. Um, those those two guys are guys who I'd love to have for the Houston game, um, to be completely honest with you, because I think that those guys are the most suited to match their physicality and really get after those dudes on the glass. 
With with those guys, I think obviously it was only a couple weeks ago. I think Chris had said when we asked him, "Could you see those guys play at all this season?" I think he had said something to the effect of like, "We're going to pay attention to what they're telling us, and if they want to go, I know that this season's an odd one because it is an eligibility free year." Is it possible that you could see someone like Sage? I know it sounds like Julio's farther behind in his development and it's re-injuring an injury he had before. I mean, is there any any shot you could see Sage playing this year or is it literally just a game-by-game or week-by-week type of thing? You know, I, at the beginning of the year, I would have told you absolutely no. Um, but I still don't think that – I don't think we would do it. Um, I think it depends on him and how he feels and, and whether he'd be willing to do it. But I think for him, this year is – it was supposed to be a year where he just comes in, he gets healthy, he gets better, he gets stronger, and we just keep developing him and, and give him the time so that when those guys were going to leave, then now now he steps right in and can play for those older guys. And I think that's been the big piece for us. Uh, that, that was our plan for him, and I think we're still sticking to that plan. You know, Jimmy, with Ty, uh, you saw him play a bit early on. You would see flashes, but then it seemed like he wasn't able to fully put it all together in the in the time that we saw him. How has he been now that his role is a little more diminished with KB coming back? And, and what does he kind of have to improve upon in order to see the court again? Yeah, Ty's been a great teammate. Uh, he comes and he works really hard. He's trying to run the plan that we have for him. I think with him is, is uh, decision-making as well and getting in there, playing off two feet and, and creating for other guys as well. And, and he'll do that. And he's going to grow into that. And uh, I'm excited about, about what he brings. He's another guy who can get in the paint. We, right now, we don't have a ton that, that can get in the paint right now. And I think that's something we're emphasizing more. Um, and I think KB brings that. I think Ty brings that. I think um, Jeremiah brings that. And, and Brendan's going to bring that when these guys keep running them off the line. He's going to get in there and, and make good decisions. So um, that's been the big piece for him. And, and he can be a, a Ty can be a great defender for us on the ball, just keeping guys in front because he's really quick. Um, and that's something that we'll use him for down the stretch here. Jimmy, now that they've signed letters of intent, you can talk about two big pieces of your future and Hasir Miller, the point guard from Newman Goretti, and, and Zach Hicks from Camden Catholic. Uh, I know you guys are excited to get them in the fold. They're two local guys, especially a guy like Hasir from the city. What what are they going to mean for you guys in the future? And and what did it mean to get those guys when you know you guys get a lot of pressure? Get local guys, get local guys. And you you know that you need to just get players wherever you can get them from. But now that you have those guys signed, what, what does it mean? And, and what can fans expect from them? Absolutely. So obviously – you got to get guys who can win. I don't care where they're from, but when you get them and they're from your own backyard, it, it does a, a wealth of, of different things for you. Um, and, and Hasir, he knows everybody in the city, so he, I know he's absolutely going to help us with that. Um, but he, he's got such a maturity to him at, at, at his such a young age. Uh, he brings such a steadying presence. He, he's a, a heck of a teammate, heck of a leader. Um, just even just in the short interactions he's had with us, it, it's – I, I just am really impressed with him as a human being. Um, and obviously he shoots it uh, very well. He gets in the gaps and makes other guys better. He's a consummate leader and team guy. And he's going to dog the ball defensively. Um, not Nate Pierre-Louis-esque, but um, very similar um, in a lot of ways in terms of his defensive uh, picking the ball up in full court. I, I wouldn't say they're similar in any other way other than that, but they're very similar in that sense. And, and Hasir is a guy who can – who can uh, dog the ball and, and really pressure the other team's point guard, which I'm excited about. And then obviously Zach, and we've seen, I've probably seen more of Zach than I saw of Hasir. He, he is as pure of a shooter as, as it gets. And I, I get excited when guys swish um, and, and he, he swishes it. I think it'd be, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool to have him and, and Brendan sort of shoot off and, and see who, who, uh, who, who shoots it better. But those guys both 
I mean, uh, Zach, Zach really shoots it. But the other thing about Zach is it, it's pretty special for him being at Camden Catholic, and he's got to be the guy. And, and I think learning how to be the guy makes you better in college. Um, so he's got all that pressure on him. Every night the scouting report is about Zach Hicks. Uh, so when he comes here, I think it'll be a little easier for him in the sense that he's going to have guys around him who are going to be the focus for the team. And now Zach can sort of grow and learn and, and, and do what he does and make shots and attack closeouts and rebound and, and all those things. And Zach can pass as well. I, I, think, I think people really know how well he can pass. Uh, but but that, that is important. Uh, it's very important, especially his size. And he's a guy who you could play – you play with the four, you play with the three. Uh, you do some different things for him. Uh, as well so he reminds me of I don't know if you remember Isaiah Mike from uh from uh SMU last year I, I think Zach is is very similar to him as well Jimmy wait if you have time for and we have a couple of <laughs> um, reader mailbag questions for you these are from our message boards the first one is from uh, the screen name is Mission Man so he wants to ask you about Mark Macon and Jason Ivey saying we know what Mark Macon was as a player we know what Jason Ivey was as a player now that they're both on staff I was wondering if you could talk about how they're doing on the roles in the team and, and what, what their main roles are. We know they can't recruit. Uh, they can't be on the court like you can, but if you could take fans inside, you know, what their contributions are to the staff and what it's like to work with them. Absolutely. Uh, Jason Ivy, I think I might say this before. He, he may be one of the better teammates that I've ever been around. Uh, just the, the consummate, just glue guy. Um, he just see a need, fill a need. Um, he does a fantastic job of just kind of talking to us, mentoring us. Uh, mentoring me, mentoring our guys, just talking them through things and helping them to understand just kind of uh, the things that he went through as a player. Um, and, and I don't think people realize how good of a basketball player he was um, and, and how much he impacted winning when he was here. Um, and Jason Ivey, he's been terrific. Um, he's just a good good guy for those guys to listen to, to hear, to, to pick his brain, to talk to, to have conversations, good guy to have around. Um, and, and then Coach Macon, he always brings a – calming presence and the best way is he brings such a wisdom to him um he's a guy who's i mean he's been everywhere he's coached everywhere he's been a head coach he's been an assistant he's obviously his playing career obviously speaks for itself but he he brings such a a wisdom um and he sees things that other people don't don't see and he sees them before everybody else and and for him he's he's been great and just kind of pulling us aside and and saying like hey what do you think about this Or, or or kind of talking to coach mckee and talking about different issues and how do you want to attack this? And especially in a year like this, you need guys who have been through it because so much is going to change and you can't do your normal thing. Um, and everything changes and coach making is just brought such a great wisdom to that decision-making process there. The last mailbag question here, the screen name is P Furmai is his name uh, for Jimmy looking forward to next year. Who is the player either currently on the roster or signed to an NLI who we have not yet seen playing college that will have the biggest impact on the team. And in the same vein, who's the player you believe could possibly take the biggest leap year after year if all the star or the stars align for them? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, I think Quincy's going to take a big leap. Um, I think the young, the young bigs will take a big, big leap. Um, I think uh, Jeremiah, the experience that he's getting right now is tremendous. Um, I, I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of our incoming class. Um, and obviously we have one left and, and can kind of go get somebody we're pretty excited about too. But uh, I'm a big fan of our, our incoming class. I, I just think they're two guys who are really going to set the tone for um, what we become as a program. Um, I, like I said, this, I think I might have said this before when we talked in the summer, that this our freshman class this year and the transfers that we brought in as well, they're going to set the tone with the success of our program. And I, I think – 
the class that we're bringing in behind them. So Hasir, Zach, and, and whatever we do with the other scholarship, um, that's going to determine whether we're a top 25 program or not. And, and I think those guys really set us off. And, and that's where we want to be. And, and that's where we're going to be. And, and that's something we're excited about. But I, I think Hasir and Zach, they bring us a, a, a higher level player, um, guys who can who can do a lot of different things and, and guys who are going to carry a following with them. And fans are going to be excited to see. I think that's something that's important for us as well. Jimmy, so I really just gave an answer to everybody on the roster. So someone <laughs> is probably saying like, what would this guy is so full of it? But um, I, I, like I said, I, I think I said this, I was talking with Chris Clark today. I, I'm, I'm very excited about where we're headed as a program. I think we have the right pieces. I think with everything that's going on recruiting wise, we're going to be in discussions with higher level guys, especially this off season, next off season. And, I think that's that's something where I'm excited about where we're going. And when I was at Lafayette, we my first year we brought in um, three guards who all were better than what we had. And those guys played a lot as freshmen. They took their lumps. Um, they got beat up a little bit. And, and when they're juniors and seniors now, they're they're in position to win the league junior and senior year. And I think that that's that's sort of the same trajectory we're on in the sense that like Jeremiah's playing 30 minutes as a freshman. Dunny's playing 30 minutes as a freshman. Jake, he gets an extra year, so he's essentially a sophomore this year. Um, I think that's that's been the, the, the cool part for us. Ja gets a year to sit out and develop. Sage gets a year to sit out and develop. Quincy gets a year to play. Like, it, it, those things, it, guys learn so much from that experience. And you, you're seeing that now. You, you notice, like, so the Duke, the Kentuckys, the North Carolinas, they have a bunch of freshmen who are really talented, but it, you, you got to be old to win. And, and especially in our league. Our league is old. It's physical. It's transfers. And, and you gotta you gotta be old to win, and, and that's why I'm excited about us. The fact that we can can win games and be be really competitive with these young guys, and obviously we we want to win more. Um, but but those these young guys are going to be the the foundation for who we become under the Aaron McKeer. And and I'm excited for them. I'm excited for where we're going as a program. Uh, I'm obviously rambling too much, but I'm I'm pretty pumped up. And I think what, what's going to happen is as you see us win, we're going to be able to open more doors to get more recruits. Um, and, and kind of have those discussions with the guys that I'm, I'm sure everybody on the message board wants us to get. And, and that's, that, that's important. Jimmy, can I ask you one more question before you let you sure. go? Yeah, yeah, I got all the time. Um, so you guys obviously had quite the roster stronger this year with just a lot of new pieces and you having to deal with all that on top of dealing with a pandemic and having to find time to practice um, and dealing with pauses and shutdowns in the last couple of weeks, multiple games postponed, all the nonsense you guys have had to deal, not nonsense, but all, everything you guys have had to deal with the last couple of weeks. From game one to game now, just like the chemistry of the team looks so much different in terms of guys bumping into each other on screens, like defending a pick and roll, to now it seems like guys have a better – not, you know, it's not perfect, but it's a better understanding of where guys are on the floor. At both ends of the floor, where do you feel like the chemistry – like how far do you feel like you guys have come chemistry-wise of just getting that understanding, picking up on those things, of being able to play games together and pick up on where guys are on the floor and where everybody wants to be? Yeah, we, we've gotten uh, – I thought we think we've moved the ball much, much better than last year um, and, and much better since game one. And that's going to be big for us, um, how well we move it, how much we get other guys involved, how hard we are to guard in doing that. Um, and then defensively, obviously, like I said, it, these guys didn't have a lot of time to, to learn the system. Um, and Monte Ross, he's got a terrific defensive mind, and, and obviously Coach McKee does as well. And it, but it takes time to learn that. It takes time to to all right. Where's the help coming from? All right, the ball screen. Do we help him from the single side, the double side, the strong side, the weak side? How are we doing all this? And I think for those guys, it takes time to to figure that out. It takes time to learn it. And and it's one thing to to say it and know it. It's another thing to do it and do it consistently and do it with hey, 
by the way, you have a six nine strong as all hell guy. I don't know if I can say that strong as all heck guy. Um, Hell's yeah, coming down your you're, back. You're Kyle's mouth. You're all right, all right. <laughs> um, it's strong. Just coming up your back, trying to get a rebound while you're doing it. Like it's, it's another level. And that experience piece for our guys has been huge. Um, and I think it's, it's shown in, in how much we've grown from game one to game six, uh, but I'm, I'm excited for how much it's going to grow from game six to game eight. Uh, you know, and, and that's, that's where we got to have that same jump. And it, it's going to be important for us. Uh, we talked about with our guys uh, of our first, uh, what is it? Five conference games four of them or a uh, first six four of them are going to be against the, the teams projected one and two in league um and, and so for us that's it, it's good because we, we get that experience and, and, and hey like we're one turnover away from taking away the, the smu game it, it, up here and uh, one box out away from kind of setting the tone down there and i think that's and and i think what you're going to see is how much we've grown uh, in the houston game here i'm excited for it our guys are excited for it i think our mind is much in a much better place for it um, I say that we, we've only had one day of knowing we were going to play them, but the, the guys are excited about it. Whereas before, I think there was some, some like, oh, well, yeah, this is cool. But now we're like, all right, hey, let's go. Let's get them. And, and that's exciting for us. So, Jimmy, great stuff as always. Uh, good luck on, on Saturday. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again down the line. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everything you do for for us and the university and, and our guys. I know they, they enjoy talking to you and enjoy all the pictures you, you guys post of them on, on Twitter. They, they get all excited about that. So I um, appreciate everything you guys do and the write-ups and, and uh, definitely means a lot to us. So thanks again. All right. So some great stuff there again from, from Jimmy Fennerty. Big thank you uh, to Jimmy. Again, the Owls take on eighth-ranked Houston Saturday at the Leo Core Center. Guys, what would you think of what Jimmy told us? Again, just like what Chris Clark gave us a couple of weeks ago, pretty much a breakdown of – almost every single player on the roster. And again, it's, it's, a, it's an evolving roster that, as we can see, just quite simply, the more time they get together, the more the pieces are coming together. We've seen more cohesion. But uh, what would you think of what Jimmy had to say? Um, I can take it. So Jimmy mentioned this once or twice. So obviously this Temple team has dealt with a handful of um, schedule changes and you know moving parts and having to deal with that on top of like guy, like having to get guys acclimated to, to playing together. Um, Jimmy made a really good point that in their first four games, they had played they played NJIT, and then their first three conference games were Houston and SMU twice. Those are two of the best teams in the American Athletic Conference. So having that early in their schedule, um, and now they're going to play Houston again on Saturday, like having that beef so early in your schedule, A, will help you down the line with maybe, I don't want to call it an easier schedule because um, the American is a pretty tough conference, but to have that uh, – to, like top heavy um, talent in your schedule is going to help these young guys get acclimated to conference play. Uh, it's going to, it's going to show them what the, what the competition is going to be like. And he mentioned, it's going to push them to be better. It's going to push them to want to, to want to get to that level. It's going to show them like what it looks like to be at the top of this conference and you know what the rest of their schedule could look like. And it could help them down the line, kind of get into getting into a groove of, um, of piling some wins together. Kind of like how Jimmy mentioned just, um, you know, about the development that, Temple will have in this opposed from one Houston game to another. I mean, granted, that could be all. I mean, they could go out and lose by 25 points um, Saturday. But I think it's it's worth mentioning for sure. They, they definitely do look like a different team, and they look like a team, you know, that has momentum in the midst of some chem- – look like they've been able to 
grab their chemistry for, you know, the time being. So I, I think it's, it's definitely interesting. And um, with that, and then you have guys like Jeremiah Williams and, and Damian Dunn, as Jimmy mentioned, who have these games under their belt, they got battle tested in their first, you know, their first career conference game. You played one of the best teams in the country, you know, they were kind of humbled a little bit and now we, we have a chance to see them again. So um, yeah, I, I think you did, you did a good job of, of pointing that out for sure. One of the uh, one of the things, a couple of notes I have here is he talked about Caleb Battle, and, and I think Sam, I know Kyle, you asked him about about Caleb, right? And um, Jimmy talked about how he impacted the game and didn't really didn't really score, uh, but grabbed some rebounds. And and Jimmy said that, and we know that Caleb was a really talented player. Trenton Catholic had the one the one lone season at Butler, but Jimmy had said he's probably as talented a guy as we've had since I was a grad assistant here. Um, so again, we, we know that the talent is there. He's a piece that they have now, um, that they didn't have a couple of weeks ago when they played him. And then he talked about Damian Dunn's development. He said, when he makes quick decisions, he's really, really hard to guard. I'll be interested to see how, how Damian Dunn fares this time around, you know, in the first couple of early games, uh, well, really it was just NJIT. And then they went right into Houston to start the season. Right. So against NJIT, he was able to draw that contact. Obviously, I'm stating the obvious here. The NJIT is not nearly as good as Houston. They go out and play Houston. Dunn could see that it was a little bit harder to, to trick guys into leaning into him. And I'll, I'll be interested to see how much he learned from that from, from that last Houston game to this Houston game. See, I actually think he did a, a decent enough job in, against Houston of drawing contact, but that's about yeah. all he did well yeah. in that game. Um, that, that really seemed like a, a, they frustrated the hell out of him. He probably should have got him ejected at one point. But since then, I mean – I keep kind of thinking like, oh, it wasn't that long ago that they played Houston because schedule-wise, it wasn't. It was four games ago, right? But I mean, it's, it's been a month at this point. And in the four games since Houston, Dunn's averaged 17 and a half points. He's shooting the three more than he was the first two games. So I, I agree that I think this extra month, it should be a, a different game. I'm not all of a sudden thinking that they're going to go and be a top 10 team in the nation, but I, I would expect it to be closer. The other thing that stuck out to me, I now realize that Nick Jordan is my uh, my spirit animal because he gained 20 pounds once he got to college. I gained 20 pounds once I got to college. Just kept going for a while. So there's some similarities between me and the six foot ten Nick Jordan. Can you tell us what you what you ate to gain those 20 pounds? Oh, I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but you do you guys know what used to be on the meal plan at Temple my freshman year? Not with one no. semester. For one semester, there was Taco Bell. <laughs> Taco Bell was there for one That's semester. In dangerous. The I mean, it was there for years, but it was one semester of me. Um, and I just, I, I ate Taco Bell six or seven times a week and just. That's for Don. Oh my God. Six or seven Freshman times 15 a week. was like, I think like, I probably legitimately gained 30 pounds my freshman year of college. That's phenomenal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I was. <laughs> Sam's clearly flustered. Wanted to make a very salient basketball point, and he's just all flustered now. I love it. <laughs> I wanted to add one more thing about um, Damian Dunn because you guys do bring up a good point about like looking at him the last time they met up with Houston, and then what we're going to see this Saturday. Um, Sam, I know you were on the post game press conference, John and Kyle. I don't think you guys were there, but you mentioned after the set after the first SMU game, so after the third game of the season, he had kind of bounced back from not being able to really get to the line against Houston the first time, the same way he did against NJIT. Um, and then kind of bounce back in that fashion against SMU. And he had been asked, you know, how do you 
how does that compare against playing a team like Houston and being able to draw that contact versus teams like NJIT or versus the next game against Houston? Like, what do you learn from that? And he basically said that never in his basketball career has he ever been keyed on that much by a defense. Like, defense have never put that much emphasis on guarding him, and he's never had that much trouble, like, getting the looks that he wants to get all through high school, all through his entire basketball career. He said he never really felt that. So that was a humbling experience for him to really have to adapt to defenses, seeing his offensive capabilities and then him learning from that. I think that's a big part of the reason that as Kyle mentioned, we've seen him kind of develop that into being able to draw contact um, in the, in the games that followed. Yeah, what I find kind of interesting, I, I actually hadn't heard that quote. So that's, yeah, that's a very good quote. So noteworthy. Um, what I kind of found interesting in their very modest two-game winning streak is that bench, despite the addition of Caleb Battle, has gotten really tidy. Like they they have gone, they're rolling out a lot of guards. You're seeing a rational park has parks hasn't really played. Nick Jordan hasn't played. Ty Strickland hasn't played. I guess I'm just floating the question at this point: Is that an outlier and just an, an ebb to the flow of the season, or do you think that the way that McKee wants to kind of run this team this year? is that short bench and they only want to go seven, eight, nine deep. I think he'd like to go eight, nine, 10, 11 deep. But I think that, and Jimmy had mentioned this, that uh, like, that's not, you know, it's, that's going to be very much a matchup thing about where you kind of go smaller, where you play fewer guys. And it depends game to game, but, and I not saying this definitively, but it seems like the way Aaron McKee talks about that small ball lineup, the way these guys talk about that lineup of, Jeremiah, Dame Dunn, Brendan Berry, Caleb Battle, and uh, and JP Mormon at the five. They have so much potential. Like they, they, it, se- it seems like they're very excited about the ceiling of that five and what they're able to do offensively. Again, it's a game by game basis. It's not going to be. That's not going to work against every conference opponent. But I think that that's definitely something to to look out for. If like that's something they go to more often and shorten that bench, as you mentioned, Kyle. Is Ray Dunn still tracking the the lineups on Twitter? <laughs> That's a good question. Because if so, I'd like to see the plus minus of that lineup. Because I mean, yeah, you had Damian Dunn playing the four in a yeah. Division One conference basketball game. I think it would it would have been different if I mean, granted, the the first time we saw that was Caleb Battle's first minutes on the floor for right. Temple. So I, I you can only expect so much, but I think that lineup down the line is I just what they can do offensively if they really share the ball and if they knock down shots. I think is the potential's endless. Somebody on our boards, I think it was mostly tongue in cheek, mentioned that they were disappointed with Caleb Battle because I got on let down. But it's the first kid's first game in a year I'm, I'm not super worried about Caleb battle I think you see you, know, you saw it in high school and you saw it at times at Butler I think you see that there's a reason that people are excited about him the fact that he came out of like out of nowhere to play 19 minutes in his first game of the year was was impressive in itself mm-hmm. and he looked somewhat poised yeah Aaron also mentioned that he had a significant hamstring injury too so right. I mean yeah yeah no, I think that'll be fine and if he develops into a guy that they, they had to key in on him then that frees up more space for Brendan Barry. It frees up more space for Damian Dunn. It it kind of all works hand in hand. Sam, you mentioned, I'm sorry, Jimmy mentioned in the conversation, he said, you know, we have to take it to Houston early on, essentially to, to have a shot. Um, Do you think they can do that on, on Saturday? Again, I know I'm not trying to make Caleb battle into you know, national player of the year, but they, they do have him again. There's some development that's taken place over the, the last couple of weeks since the last time they played him on December 22nd. I mean, do they have a shot at, at, at winning this game on Saturday? We know how good Houston is. They're the eighth ranked team. Again, they're, they're a lot of what Temple wants to become. Again, like I said to Jimmy, they're long, they're athletic. They seem to endlessly get every loose ball, every tip back, uh, all sorts of stuff. They, they, they're just a thorn in Temple's side. Do you think Temple's learned enough for these past couple of weeks to really close the gap on them and potentially win this game? 
Um, I think they close the gap. I don't think they win. I think the only way for them to win is to play near perfect basketball. If you look at the way they played against Tulane to open up the first, I mean, they didn't, they didn't miss a field goal for five minutes. Um, Dre Perry missed the first shot. They, they started off five for five. They were knocking down shots. They were getting really good looks. They were playing great defense. And Tulane isn't Houston. You know, the Houston's obviously a much tougher competition, but they essentially have to play near perfect basketball to win this game on Saturday. Um, they have to play pretty close to it, pretty close to that to keep it close. Uh, I think a lot of it's going to come down to multiple guys scoring the ball and that narrative of how many times we've talked about like this team needs distribution of wealth. And there's one play that comes to mind when they had that small ball lineup against Tulane where Brendan Berry catches the ball on the left wing. And there's two defenders on Damian Dunn, kind of just the way the defense has rotated. There's two defenders on Damian Dunn at the top of the key. There's one defender on Brendan Barry. And there's one guy like on the block and like three of them close out on Damian Dunn on, I mean, on Brendan Barry, excuse me, and Brendan Barry on the wing and JP Mormon is wide open in the corner, hit, uh, hits a corner triple. So if they can get that kind of movement in that offense of, have like multiple guys knocking down shots to free up other guys, they're going to have more options and they're going to be able to score the ball at a higher clip. So I think that's really the key for them on top of just expounding upon their improved team defense. Cause that was a huge thing in the Tulane game from the SMU game was like the, the, gr- the growth of the team defense, I think this year has been, has been pretty remarkable just through six games, not saying it's perfect. They obviously have a long way to go, but just like the way they've been able to improve is so clear from NJIT to, uh, to Tulane. Yeah, I'll kind of echo those sentiments, especially with the part where I'm not calling for an upset or anything like that. But my analysis of Houston in itself is this is the type of team that can get upset, mostly because they're not this offensive juggernaut. Like that's not that's not what they do this year. This year they they defend the hell out of the ball and they try to keep the game in the 60s and the 70s. That's the type of team where if all of a sudden Temple comes out and Brendan Berry is able to get a couple threes, if Caleb Battle gives you nine off the bench and you can get Temple into the 70s, you have a shot. Like there's only Houston's not going to come in and drop a hundred on them. Like even the game that they, they got blown out by Houston, they lost by 26 points. Houston had 76 points. Like it's the type of game that Temple could win. Um, and playing, I said this a couple of years ago about, uh, and, and SMU, SMU came to Temple and it was like a blizzard and the game got moved at last second. And like there was nobody in the arena. If there's any game that Temple beats a top 10 team, it's in front of no fans on noon on like a rescheduled game that came out of nowhere. So It'll be interesting. Right. So Sam Newman will be in the building for us on Saturday, covering that Temple Houston game for you guys. Follow him for coverage. Again, we've got some football to talk about too. The roster continues to evolve. Uh, there were some roster updates um, earlier in the week that were released that we can talk about. Um, but before we get to that, Temple lost another player to the transfer portal, and that was Christian Braswell, the cornerback. Uh, we had our eye on this for a while. He announced his decision today. Uh, I guess we'll start with, you know, he leaves another, another important piece on defense that leaves. Uh, didn't talk to him about his decision. Don't know if we'll get in touch with him about his decision, like some of the other guys who have left, but uh simple question, guys, what, what does this mean for the team? What do they have to do to replace him? Well, I mean, they, they actually lost two people today, uh, tight end Aaron Jarman also. Into right. Right. Just forgot about Aaron Jarman. Sorry about that. But, I mean, and no offense to Aaron Jarman, but the, the one's a little more significant from a football perspective. Of course, than yeah. The other. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, I think it, we were kind of just talking about this a little bit off air is I, yeah, they had to see this coming. I mean, for anybody that uh, kind of reads the tea leaves, um, Melvin Rice and Jeff Knowles and Nate McNeil, they've all been following every single corner that enters the transfer portal for a while now. 
Um, a lot of that is because I think that you do want to build depth because um, right now you only have Keyshawn Paul as an established starter by the transfer from UConn. And then you have a bunch of guys that have started games but never been like the guy for a season, like Elijah Clark and Ty Mason and Freddie Johnson. Um, I think it's the same thing we've been cautioning this entire offseason. If they were playing on Saturday right now, then I'd be a little worried if I was Temple because who are you going to roll out there outside of Paul? But it's January 20th. Um, we still have two weeks until signing day, and then transfers can come in at any point. They can leave at any point, too. Um, I would expect that this just adds extra emphasis on Temple wanting to bring in a fifth-year plug-and-play guy at cornerback because uh, Christian Braswell was their best cornerback last year. Um, he was probably, he's probably been their best cornerback for two years. Even uh, no, I, I, Harrison Hamm was obviously pretty good against draft. I know why, I, not to cut in, but I know why you say that, right? Because uh, the, uh, obviously, despite the fact that Harrison Hand is in the NFL right now, last season, after the midseason, he had that slump that he got into where, I mean, everybody played poorly right. at SMU, right? And then he had the, the, the hand injury, never really came back from that. But I know why you're saying that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was at least that. It at least wasn't a ridiculous conversation to have. Let's right. just put it that way. Like Braswell had that good of a 2019. He probably actually had a little bit of a step back in 2020, but he still was the best cornerback on the team. Um, I think it's I, – I, I hope that people didn't think just because there was three weeks off that the transfer portal all of a sudden went away. Um, uh, I, I did somebody on the boards asked, well, why did it take so long for this to happen? And I said, well, the spring semester started this week. So now they they're on campus. You see kids enter the portal because that way their scholarships guaranteed for the spring. I didn't want it, that to be me. Like I'm not being accusatory there or like saying that Christian Braswell did anything egregious or nefarious. Um, that's just is what it is. It's you come in, you have one semester left until you graduate, you wait till you get on, on campus and you enter the transfer portal. So that way you can still graduate from temple. Um, it's you'll see it across the nation. Everybody does this. Certain players that have transferred in recent years have threatened to do that for <laughs> multiple times and then finally actually uh, pulled the trigger. So I think it's optic wise, it's probably pretty bad. Uh, football wise, it's significant, but it's the same thing where let's wait, let's see if they bring somebody in. Um, they have plenty of scholarships to, to, to dish out at this point. Yeah, just to echo what Kyle was saying, this was something that we are monitoring. Um, I texted Christian Braswell just a little bit after everything was kind of going on just to see where he was at. And he kind of gave me a non-definitive answer about whether he was going to return the temple or not. So that kind of, you know, opened up our eyes and attention and say, okay, this is definitely a guy that can leave. And and he did. And and we'll see where it ends up. Probably will transfer up a level. But as Kyle mentions, it's 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 a significant loss. You have a single digit guy, somebody who's a leader in a locker room, somebody who's, you know, a connection over from the previous staff to this one. Um, and, and he was their closest thing to what, you know, a quote unquote shutdown corner. I mean, he wasn't, you know, Terrell Revis in his prime, but he was pretty good for them. So they're going to have to replace him um, in the transfer portal. And, and you know, it's it's kind of like said a wait and see thing right now where you don't have the, you know, the door that's like, OK, we're bringing in this guy and Browswell's out. Uh, say they bring in, you know, some a, a guy from the power five, a cornerback in there. OK, that that'll work out well, but we, we, it's like one of those things where you see somebody out going, don't really know what you're getting back. So we understand the frustration. Um, and you know, it, it'll, it, we'll see, it remains to be seen whether they hurt them. As Kyle said, you know, they still have some starting experience at the opposite cornerback position. And Keyshawn Paul is definitely somebody who um, has succeeded as a, as a press man, uh, cornerback at UConn. Obviously, UConn didn't play this previous season, so he, he's had a season off. But he'll come in as a junior with, I believe, two years of eligibility remaining, maybe three, I think two. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a tough loss. It goes in the realm with everybody else. And then, you know, somebody like Aaron Jarman, um, he's the third string tight end. I, th- I think that'll be somebody, no offense to Aaron, but he, he was a good blocking tight end for him, but somebody who's easily replaceable. You'll see Dave Martin Robinson, D- Darius Pittman step up. Maybe um, somebody like James Del Pesca will, will move up on the depth charter or Nick Picozzi, who did a, a lot of blocking for them. But, you know, interesting about Jarman, he had two career receptions and both of them went for touchdowns. Uh, one there's, I think, both in blowouts. One, there's Bucknell, and the other, there's um, SMU, maybe. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, the, I mean, and and I don't think Braswell and Jarman are going to be the last guys to do it. Uh, with the br- spring ball starting, well, that being back on campus, I don't, Rod Carey didn't really give a definitive date for one spring ball, but now that guys are coming back to campus, I think you're going to see some more enter the portal, and it's just going to be one of those things that, you know, Temple's going to have to deal with now and, and for the future, and it's just, you know, he, it's, it's hard to, to sit here and preach patience after, um, you know, the season they had and, and losing a bunch of starters, but you just kind of have to be patient with the way college football is right now. Yeah. I would say Jarman is more of a quote unquote, like conventional transfer. Like I think Jarman transfers in any, in any year at that point. Cause like, Hey, you're, you're about to graduate. Um, you have a couple of years of eligibility left. I think he actually, cause of the free year, all three years of eligibility left wherever he ends up. Um, it's just like, look, at a certain point, he needs to he needs to get film. So he's going to – and he's third on the depth chart. He went elsewhere. So the Braswell one's a lot more jarring than Jarman. Hmm. Well, have, what a nice little pun. Um, so Kyle reported earlier in the week some of the, the roster additions. Again, Temple's uh, spring semester start up this week. So um, just in case some of you did not see this again, like some of the guys who are on the roster now – Ahmad Anderson. These are some of the guys who signed back in December. Some of the transfers, Ahmad Anderson, Rayvon Bonner uh, from the running back from Illinois. Of course, Ahmad's from, from Purdue. Iverson Clement did get in. He's on the roster. He's enrolled. So obviously he's the, the former star from Rancocas Valley High School. Could be a key piece in the backfield. Uh, Zach Gill from, from North Carolina. A couple of the early enrollees from the recruiting class from high school. Coleman Jeffcoat, speaking of the tight end position from Mallard Creek High School down in North Carolina. Keyshawn Jones, the offensive lineman from Illinois. Uh, Deuce Mathis is enrolled and on the on the roster. Keyshawn Paul, who we were just talking about a couple of minutes ago, now becomes maybe your your you know potentially your best cornerback. Will Rogers from Washington State. Uh, Jalen Satchel, another one of the early enrollees from high school from the Avalon School down in Maryland. Uh, Lansing Teray, defensive tackle from North Carolina. Um, Kamir Brown not on the roster anymore. I guess Kyle, I think you'd said Leon Pinto was off the roster. Now he's back on, right? Correct. Uh, Will Leland, who had come in as a true freshman earlier this year, already off the roster. Um, I don't know if he's moving along now to, to try to pursue an opportunity somewhere else. But um, so, again, that's a lot of the roster movements that, that that's going on right now. Again, and that, that concludes our John reads the phone book section. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, some, I mean, some minor pieces in addition to uh, in addition to Braswell and Aaron Jarman. But again, it's, you know, Sam makes an important point. Uh I'd be shocked if this is done again. We have a mailbag question about this in a few minutes, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye on this. I mean, anytime throughout, but you know, again, after spring ball too, after a spring ball, whenever that starts, whenever that finishes up, hopefully they'll be able to have one. That's obviously when players reassess things, coaches reassess things. And, you know, I'd be shocked if there isn't more roster movement as well. So uh, we did say that we had a few more mailbag questions uh, to get to for you guys um, on the, the, basketball and uh this was one from tu house 37 will there be a game this weekend the answer is yes um esther boyer had asked um 
for the Alscoop staff, interest in Temple basketball interest in Temple basketball was alarmingly low before the pandemic. Are there any early returns on the viewership on ESPN Plus, and how do you see the season being without fans, both in person and essentially watching at home, um, will impact any momentum of the program moving forward? Great question. Have no idea. You know, we don't know what the what the numbers are so far on ESPN Plus. But, you know, I, I, it's something I've given some thought to. I know I don't want to hear what you guys would think, but, you know, we have to see how the rest of the season finishes out. You know, do they become a 500 team? Do fans become encouraged by some of the signs of progress that they've seen? Uh, yeah. What will the building be like if it can be open to fans next year? And how does this season affect things? Again, we don't know. I don't know what the numbers have been like on ESPN Plus, but uh, what would your reaction be to that question, guys? I think it's fair. Um... I mean, yeah, I, th- I think what, what, once you committed to an ESPN plus media deal, when you're the American, you set it up that you're losing just passerby watchers. Like I know I speaking for myself, I'm never just like, well, let me just scroll through ESPN plus and see what games are on. Uh, that's not the case this weekend with Temple being on CBS, you're going to get random people that are just watching Temple basketball for the first time this season. So the only way that you can really uh, build a base and build interest in the program is via winning. Um, nobody's going to care until they win. Uh, I would say that interest in Temple is probably still exactly where it was pre-pandemic because they haven't gone out and all of a sudden they're a top 25 and nine and one. They're a 500 team that's building uh, that isn't getting the benefit of random viewers. So I would say it's pretty much the same. Well, you'd hope but with having the CBS noon game uh, this Saturday that maybe interest would, would peak a little bit more. I think ESPN Plus is, I don't I mean, for football and in basketball, it's kind of been a mixed bag of right. – dis- I mean, honestly, you know, I'm going to say this from my own opinion. I think a lot of it has been a disaster just between the camera angles and, um, you know, the coverage of the games. But I, but it's a deal the American is stuck into, and it's kind of it's kind of what it is at this point. But you know, that's their only that's their option to getting exposure, and it's and it's kind of just you know, one of those pandemic things. So, um, yeah, Kyle, I would agree with you said, but you you would hope for a Temple team that they could take advantage of you know being able to play this made-up game on on saturday and, and hopefully get more national exposure than they've been used to over the past you know six games and over the past couple of years as well i mean it's the same thing as like with football every time there'd be like a thursday night espn game the nation would find out that jeff collins wears capris so all of a sudden you would see like twitter blow up about this because it's the first time they've been exposed to it so i mean this a cbs national game is, is significant news it's only the second time temple's ever hosted a, a game broadcasted by cbs at leah chorus center so you would hope that, hey, hey, if Temple somehow goes out and beats the top 10 team, then maybe you get a couple more fans out of it. All right, so the next question here uh, from the message board comes from what, what, TU. This is a football mailbag question. Not sure if you guys might talk about this uh, already based off of Twitter and retweets. It looks like the football team has handed out a decent amount of scholarships to 2022 guys this week. Anyone notable or someone we should really keep an eye on at this time? Um, so with 2022, I've always just to provide a little bit of insight, I've always kind of just viewed football recruiting as I'll care about that class when it's time to care about that class. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I don't want to sound like I appreciate the question, obviously. Um, but like, I'm not quite there yet to really know like who are they actually focusing. You'll see a lot of spray and pray offers and graphics and stuff like this with recruit football recruiting at this point, because a lot of these kids, they haven't played in a while or they haven't put as much film together. I know Temple focus like on Northeast high school this week and start sending out offers that way. Uh, I, I think it's too early to know who are the true targets in this class yet. Um, like this time last year, Temple had zero commits. Uh, Malik Cooper and Justin Lynch didn't commit until February of, of 2020, 
2020, um, which feels like a lifetime ago. So I would say they're still, yes, they're sending offers out and yes, they're sending recruiting graphics out for 2022, but I think the focus is still on 2021 for a couple more weeks and the transfer portal for a couple more months and trying to make sure that what happened in 2020 with a disaster of a season doesn't happen again in 2021. Yeah, they, I mean, as you mentioned, they handed out some. Uh, you look at our retweets in Kyle's, mine's, Al Scoops, John's, what, uh, Sam's, whatever. They they handed out a bunch to some Newman Garetti kids and um, to Roman Catholic as well. So they're going local right now. As as Kyle mentions, you know, they still have to, you know, obviously they have to do some recruiting of their own in house as well right now to kind of keep their own players and in the twenty one class. Um, you would hope that they're able to, as we've mentioned before, maybe finalize and bring in guys like Antonio Barber and Jalen Martin and, and the rest. So, yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get some stories for these 2022 guys. But I, I would I think we would be lying to say if that is like Temple's top priority at this point in time. I think the most interesting thing to follow where it comes to this is and we kind of forgotten about it because they couldn't really do it this summer. It was will they be able to have you know, Rod Carey football camps again this summer, if, if, and even if they're scaled down, because you know, anybody who's listening to this podcast, if you're somewhat knowledgeable of the football program, program, you know how valuable the camps have been that, you know, you, you bring these guys in and, you know, other teams do them, other programs do them as well, but they've been so essential for Temple. They come in, they can evaluate these guys. They couldn't do it last year during the pandemic. We're still in the pandemic. Can they do a scale back version of a camp? We'll see. Uh, if that helps them out, because again, they haven't been able to really evaluate these guys in person. You've heard Rod Carey say that, um, you know, for guys that they haven't been able to see in person, they offer them, the kids might say something to the effect of like, I think I'm ready to commit, but they'll come up on their own dime, walk around the campus with their, with their parents, with their family and check it out. And sometimes that seals the deal for them. And some guys have come up on their own dime from, from great distances away. Not everybody can do that. So uh, again, it'll be a, a really interesting recruiting cycle to cover. I agree with Kyle. Uh, we'll, we'll get to 2022 uh, when we get to it because there's still a lot that can happen with the 21 class. As they lose guys to the portal, opens up a scholarship. Uh, that'll kind of lead us into a mailbag question here in a couple of minutes. But to say anybody's super notable yet, I, I don't know. Uh, but again, some of the local guys were, were uh, guys that you would keep an eye on at this point. Um, that again does lead us into this this uh, next question here from Malenko from the message board. Question number one: Do you expect Temple to sign additional high school players or transfers on the February signing day? Outside of the two who have been verbals for some time, we'll handle that question first. Um, yes, we definitely expect them to to sign guys uh, next month. I think just because they they have the open spots there, but I'd be surprised if they didn't announce anybody next month, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think. I think if you had, if you're Rod Carey and you're going down to Aldi and you're going to the transfer portal, I think your grocery list is a a plug and play defensive tackle. I mean, you brought in Zach Gill, who's a guy you probably project to start, and you bring in Lansing Teray, who's probably, despite being a transfer, more of a developmental guy. He's got three years of eligibility left. I think they still want a plug and play guy there. I think you want a starting caliber cornerback. You probably want a kicker. Um, and you might, you might be in the market for offensive line depth at this point. And then kind of like, yeah, I, I think there's still going to be plenty of people uh, names to kind of watch. Not that these guys are close to committing or anything. Jaquan Amos or Amos from Villanova can play corner safety, Bubo, whatever he wants. Um, I think, I think you're going to start seeing more guys. Like I'm fully expecting that two weeks from today, when they announce this signing class, that there's going to be more commits. Amos will be an interesting name because didn't we talk last week or a couple of weeks ago about one of the things that you're not really seeing is obviously Temple's losing good players 
to the next level up, so to speak. And then they're getting power five guys who, you know, granted like Rogers and Bonner have experience. They've got some stuff on film and then you've got some other developmental guys. They really haven't resorted too much really at all to the, to the FCS level. So it would be interesting to see them get a couple of really good FCS players in this next recruiting cycle. We'll see. I also noticed that Sam Cohn seemed to be horribly offended that you mentioned Aldi instead of any other grocery store. Were you, I, I wouldn't call it offended. Kyle to say Whole Foods. I've never actually never even shopped at an Aldi. Like I've never been oh yeah, underrated. Got some good stuff. Oh, all these good. I was just, I was just thrown off by the, uh, uh, by the. Yeah, I think the uh, new Aldi just opened up in Fairmount. Oh, Sam, what did, I mean, Sam, are you, are you, uh, are you operating on a Whole Foods budget at this juncture in college? Oh, no, 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 no. Actually, do I shop? I don't know. I go on Instacart. I think I usually go from Giant, but the Galses are a Giant family. Yeah. I also yeah. didn't know what Aldi was until I came here. As we're recording this podcast, my wife asked for my giant login because she's updating our, our shopping list. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah. exciting. I paid, for, I paid for the year Peapod membership. Once COVID started, best best purchase ever made in my life. Just drop my groceries off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, second question here from Malenko. Which defensive unit, be it defensive line, linebackers, cornerbacks, or safety, could use an experienced transfer from the portal the most as of today? Boston Sam, what are you thinking? He's thinking of groceries. <laughs> He's going groceries. I'm actually going to right call this myself. I meant to say Carolina Sam. I said Boston Sam, and I just kind of put Sam Cohen on this. Boston spot. Sam's thinking <laughs> of groceries, not the donuts, and the Celtics. Do you want us to come back to you? Yeah, circle back. Circle back. <laughs> Looks like um, a kid who just cut, caught off on guard. I, I meant to say Carolina Sam. That's okay. Yeah. It's, it's all right. We'll give him a couple more minutes to decide what he wants to shop for. Um <laughs> Uh, I, I would probably say quarterback right now just because of the loss of Braswell, but definitely I, I think, um, yeah, cornerback. Let me go in order. I would say cornerback, um, defensive tackle, and, the, and then linebacker. I think linebacker you're probably set right now just with the returning of guys like George Reed, all the Isaacs. Um, it, it, all indications point to Will Quinkley returning right now. That could definitely change, but it seems like he's going to return, and then you have – four linebackers that they're excited about in the, in the middle. And then you have, you know, some Bubo guys there that they're, they like with Mahim McCargo. Um, Quantel Reigns is going to be eligible this year. So uh, that linebacker would be the least priority for me. I, I would say probably cornerback, defensive tackle, and then some space linebacker. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think the linebacker is fine. I think, I think if, if, if a guy comes in, a fifth-year guy that they want to add to, like, okay, maybe you if you have that scholarship, you take advantage of it. But I think – Kobe Wilson, Jordan McGee, Yvonne Rigby, they all like. I would say defensive tackle. Even with the two guys with Gill and Teray being added, I I think you're still looking for one guy that can kind of bridge the gap between 2021 and 2022 when all of a sudden Demeric Morris is a year older and Nick Baggs is a year older and you're kind of able to just get these guys further into the system. So for defensive tackle, you're trying to bring in like, uh, not you're not you personally, but personally. like a, yeah, like a, a graduate guy, maybe a fifth yeah, year guy. Like, like the, the name that you kind of see out there, which it seems like they're going to start to have some competition for is Weston Kramer from NIU, a guy that was recruited by Rod Carey's staff that played for Walter Stewart, that played for Jeff Knowles, second team, all Mac uh, nose guard last year. Like, I think, I think you kind of want to bring a guy in there that allows you to get another year of Lansing to Lansing Teray in the system and stuff like that. Um, well, in, an, a, in, an, in an ideal world, you want a five-star freshman that you're going to have for four or five years. But in this situation, I think they just kind of want to bridge that gap until, until the, the younger guys are ready to play. 
as of now, Kevin Robertson is is set to return. Yeah. I mean, he's he's more of a rotational guy, though. I don't think I don't know how comfortable Rod Carey and his staff would be starting Kevin Robertson week one. But right, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a guy. That's a name that it's a good point. It's a name that probably gets lost in uh, in translation a little bit. There is I actually kind of keep forgetting about him. But yeah, he's a guy that's played football for them. He was their number four defensive tackle. Who due to departures is probably their number one or number two defensive tackle right now. Uh, but I think that's still a position that you want to you want to shore up. Yeah, I think it's defensive tackle and cornerback are the obvious two. Again, even at safety, uh, these young guys obviously still have to prove themselves, whether it's Alex Odom, Trey Blair. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any, like just in that backfield alone, if any of these young guys like a, like Hawkins, like Deion Hawkins, who who really was a, a track guy at, at the Haverford School, right? But they took him because he's just fast as anything, like, you know, which developmental guys will come along. But yeah, I would think that those are the two most glaring positions. Yeah, and he mentioned... Um defense that's why i focus on it but i also think they're probably still gonna they might still bring another wide receiver because yeah. i mean as of right now uh yeah Jaden blue as of right now is on the team um you have ahmaud anderson you only have like three or four like really proven guys i think they want to bring in maybe another depth guy there so i think pretty much to answer your question everybody <laughs> every position is probably on the every position except for quarterback most likely well even with that who knows yeah yeah all right well awesome, sam we cannot leave him hanging here. He, he's still shopping. Hey, well, Sam, what do you have? It's a long oldie grocery list is what I'm hearing. <laughs> That's Sam's contribution, folks. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that'll do it for this week. Uh, thank you to Jimmy Fennerty for joining us on the Scoop This Week. week. Oh, I can talk. Thank you to all of you for tuning in and uh, subscribing to the Scoop. I uh, hope you guys are happy, healthy, and safe out there. Enjoy the game on Saturday, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.